Welcome to the Coastline Podcast. We exist as a church to help connect you to God and the people around you, to help you grow in your faith, and to challenge you to go into your community sharing the love of Christ. Three things, connect, grow, go. If you'd like information on what is going on at Coastline, follow us on Instagram and Facebook or email us at hello at coastlinensb.com. You guys have a good morning so far? Everybody awake? Did everybody get enough uh, coffee in them this morning? Weather is perfect outside, man. It is a picture perfect New Smyrna Beach day, right? If we could have about like 50 of these back in a row, we'd be good to go, right? Um, <clears throat> hey, I want to do something before we jump in today. Um, something I don't do enough of, and I, I want to uh, thank some people for all they do uh, for our church family. Uh, first, I want to start off with, uh, is Kayla here? Kayla walked in the back. See, that's the thing. All the band guys, they're cool, and then they go and get coffee and donuts while we're going through announcements. Is she here? Go get her real quick. There she is. Perfect. Kayla? Hey. <laughs> oh, you made it to the sermon. That's a good job. She, she, she still has her ears on. Hey, I want to say thank you for all you do for our church. It's a big deal. Um, pu- publicly and privately, I know that you don't do this because, you, you know, anyone congratulates you or as a performance. You do it because God's given you a gift, and you continue to use that gift to worship him. I want to tell you that as a brother in Christ, man, that continues to build my faith. And thank you so much for all you do to serve our church. It really is a big deal. So everybody give Kayla a hand, will you? Also, TJ, which I think he's in the back in the tech. He's probably trying to keep the online. There he is. Um, TJ does all of our creative and tech stuff at Coastline and worship. Um, Everybody's looking at him. He loves attention. He really does. You know how, like, every organization has that person, like, in the behind the scenes that, like, doesn't want anyone to talk to him? That's TJ. So he loves when I call him out. Um, but he's also my brother-in-law. He's a good friend and a fantastic uh, just brother in Christ and a helpful member of our church. TJ, thanks for all you do for our church, man. It really is a big deal. It makes all the difference. You know, I come in on a Sunday, and, like, there's some Sundays, even as a pastor, like, I'm not in a great mood. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you had, like, 86 bikers that, that were in, the, in, in front of you in the red light trying to turn left before you get Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks, right? That can get your blood boiling to get a, a little bit, right? Check your, check your heart, right? Um, so there's, there's times even as a pastor I come in and I'm like, I've had a tough week. I'm having a tough day. Uh, but there's something about, like, when these guys all come up and just start using their gifts to worship God that, that it, like, melts all my frustration and stuff away and allows me to enter into worship, too. And so uh, I'm thankful for our team and all that, uh, all that they do. Um, this morning we're going to start a brand-new series, brand-new collections of talks called Devoted. We're talking about living deeply. But before we do, before we jump into it, before we dive into it, see what I did there, dive, dive deeply, a little dad joke. Um, before we dive into it, um, I, I kind of was challenged this week uh, as I was watching some of the news and seeing what's going on, specifically in the Ukraine. Um, you know, I, I kind of had this, uh, even as we started hearing reports from some churches that are over there and what they're, what they're going through. And, and if I can be honest for a minute, there, I, I kind of live a life, I've lived life in the past where, like, as I read these things, as I see these things, it's, it's easy to kind of, like, keep them at arm's length and, and not let them, like, really hit home to you. You know, it's easy because it's like, that's over there, it's somewhere else. But as we live in this day and age of technology and, 
connection as I watch videos of families crossing borders and, and families just trying to, dad just trying to figure out like how to, you know, keep their families safe. And as I see a country try to fight for its, you know, its own protection and stuff, it's, it's hard not to, to feel it, um, specifically for what's going on now. And, and so I kind of for, you know, a couple of days, like put myself like, what if we were in their shoes? Like you've got people that, you know, they've, they've got jobs and they've got mortgages and they've got iPhones and they serve in their church. And, and today there's, you know, over a million people that are displaced right now in churches that are not meeting and we're sitting in an air-conditioned place with power on and, and after this we're going to go and not go to Chick-fil-A because it's closed, but one of the other places and eat lunch and it's going to be hot. And, but there's hundreds of thousands of people in different part of the world that because of what's going on in their world, that's not happening today at all. And, and so as I was thinking through that, kind of my heart started to break a little bit for them. Um, and so I, I wanted to, as part of the church, as part, not, not, this isn't a coastline thing. This is a church thing. This is a body of believers. I thought maybe as brothers and sisters we could take a minute and pray for them and, and, and what they're going through. And not only just in this moment, but even that this would continue on for the next you know, weeks to come until the, the, the issue stops. Um, but that, that we would pray that the Holy Spirit would have his way and would continue to protect them and provide for them and encourage them through, through the struggle. Um, and so if you guys will, let's just, as a church family, let's bow our heads and let's, uh, let's pray for, for what they're going through. God, Heavenly Father, Holy Spirit, uh, we cannot even imagine what uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ in Ukraine are going through. And even the people that, that are not close to you, God, I know that this is a, this is a tough and, and, and this is a, a time of struggle and stress and strife. And, and many people are just trying to figure out how to survive and how to stay safe and how to get their families to safety and how to continue to, to feed them, to feed their little ones. And God, I know that in those times, it's easy for, for the, the worst part of ourselves to come out. But God, I'm also reminded that, that as I read through the New Testament, as I see your disciples go through tough thing after tough thing after tough thing as, they, as they're persecuted and as they're pushed out of what their comfort zone. God, I know that as I continue to pursue you and follow you through it, God, that you're, you're able to work it out to be better than even what it was before. And so, God, I pray that in this moment, God, when it comes to these churches that are displaced right now, when it comes to these people that are displaced, God, I pray that you would still work a miracle where miracles can happen. God, I pray that you would open up doors of provision that, that, that no one ever even thought that you would protect people and give, I pray your Holy Spirit would give them ideas of directions to go that, that are safer than others. And ultimately, Father, I pray that, that in spite of something tough that's happening, God, I pray that people's faith would continue to grow stronger. God, I pray for peace in that part of the world. I pray that you would continue to touch our hearts and cha- challenge us and charge us to be connected and to not just put it at arm's length, to be constantly pursuing you in prayer for these people. I pray that the best would still yet to come. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Um, you know, as, um, as I was thinking through this past week, and I'm thinking through these churches uh, and, and what they're going through in the Ukraine, I'm, I'm thinking about our church, I'm thinking about the church, and, and more and more as I get through, uh, as I get a little bit older, and, and probably not a whole lot wiser, I still feel like, I'm, I'm like 37 right now, I still feel like I'm 17 in my head, um, which is, might be a problem that guys have, I don't know, you ladies are, are super mature and wise, but we just don't have that. Um, 
But I, I continue to, to start thinking more of our church, and rather outside of the, these walls, but like the church, like the, the body of believers, like the people that followers Christ. The followers of, back in the New Testament or back in the day in the, the Bible times, they would have been called followers of the way, followers of Christ. And so as I've been studying through this, uh, uh, especially through the, through the books of Acts and the, and the New Testament, as they see these followers of the way, they start to, to talk about and, de- and, and, and depict what the church or what the church would be, the early church, w- is, is looking like then. And it looks a little bit different than what we look like now. They think things back then, you know, they didn't necessarily have the, the haze and the cool lights and TJ face melting solos or whatever. I wish I could play guitar that good. Or drums, dude. If I could play like they, I wouldn't. I don't even know if I'd ever preach again. I'd just be the drummer. They didn't have any of that. Any of that stuff. They, they had stuff that the Holy Spirit gave. They had power that was completely different than what, than what they would even expect it. And sh- the way they did church looked completely different than what church looked like today. And so as we, as we continue to grow the church, as we. As we as a church, as, as, as an ecclesia, as a, as a gathering of believers come together, as we grow, my hope is that as Coastline, we don't just get to a point where we have made it as a group of believers or as a group of, of Christians. That we just don't identify as in, yeah, we've got the right sticker on the right car or whatever, or we're, you know, we, we identify as a Christian, but that we would continue to be followers of the way, that, that we would push through being something that we would, we would choose to be fully devoted followers of Christ, fully devoted followers, and that wherever we're at today, we would choose to take the next step and to live deeply as we pursue him. And so in the book of Acts, the early church, um, there's a, a verse in uh, chapter, oh, that's not Acts, in chapter 3, Chapter 2, verse 42, um, and it starts off to describe, uh, this is after Jesus has come and given them the great commission. He said, I want you to go to the ends of the world. I want you to go out everywhere, and I want you to tell people about what you saw here. Tell people about what I did, and I want you to continue to make disciples, and I want you to baptize them. So he gives them this great commission. That he wants. He's like, I want you to live on mission, and I want you to go. Step out of what's comfortable and tell people about me. And as they start to do this in the city of Jerusalem, this, this gathering of people, as, as, as Peter gets up and get, delivers this, this great talk, which Peter wasn't a super eloquent guy, as he, as he preaches this sermon, he talks about what Jesus has done and what, what the early church should look like. Uh, it says that thousands of people were added to their number. Their church grew in, in days by, by uh, thousands of people. It says that of those people, of those followers of the way, these, these people that were devoted followers of Christ, it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. They devoted themselves to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and, and they devoted themselves to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything that they had. They sold their property and possessions. They shared their money with those in need. 
they worshiped together at the temple each day and met and, met and, and had uh, their homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all while praising God and enjoying, enjoying the goodwill of the people, of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. As this group of believers, the followers of the way, as they, they fully devoted themselves to these teachings, they fully devoted themselves to fellowship and to prayer and to breaking of bread with one another and helping one another through, through tough times, as they kind of broke down the walls of, like, individualism and me, they came together and they, they said that people were added to their number. See, as, as they fully devoted themselves, the church continued to grow. And we would see this over the next years and years and decades to come so much so that, like, within, like, 100, I think it's something like 100 years, you've got, like, tens of thousands of, of followers of Christ, tens of thousands of followers of the way that are in the, even in the city of Rome, so much so that it would completely adjust the, the, the religious uh, de demographic and geography of what Rome would be. It adjusted the entire world. But if we look at this as, like, this is the beginning of the church. This is a fantastic picture of how it started and, and maybe a foundational idea of what, of what we're supposed to be as followers of Christ as the church. It, it looks a little bit different than what church is now, right? So I, I did something funny. I started to think of, like, well, what about if we wrote this now, like, as, as what church is in America today, right? So they were all gathered together in one air-conditioned room with haze and lights. They devoted themselves to listening and trying not to fall asleep when the pastor talked. They committed themselves to coming to church two out of four weekends a month. Hopefully those weekends aren't the weekends where the, it's, it's nice and sun outside and warm and perfect beach weather or fishing weather, right? They came together and they they, they, they committed to serving once a month, as long as it wasn't in kids' ministry. Which, by the way, hey, real quick, on when it comes to kids' ministry, like, I know we just pushed that, hey, we need some volunteers, and we do, mostly because my kids are hellions. rest of them are great. Your kids are great. My kids need prayer. But, like, if you don't like kids, don't volunteer, okay? We, de we don't want the, like, mad at kids lady you know who I'm talking about, right? You've experienced this lady before. She's like, she's like, I don't even want to be here. Kids don't want to be here. Nobody wants to be here. That, don't volunteer if you're that person. If you say you don't know how to, like, watch kids or, help, like, teach kids, that's fine. Like, Marsha's going to help you out, give you all the right tools, right? Perfect. But anyways, don't be the mean kids' church lady. Or I will sick Olivia on you, and then we'll see who really is mean. I love my daughter. If you ever watch this years from now, Olivia, you are the pride of my life. And I'm losing all my hair because of you, but I love you. <clears throat> Church looks different now than what it did back then. And I, and I think it comes back to this idea of being fully devoted. If I'm being honest, even my own history as, as a follower of Christ, it's I don't know if, if, if you were to look at the whole sum of it and see that it's fully devotion to Christ. It, it, might, have, it might have been some devotion or partial devotion. But as we see, like, these great things happen, these miraculous signs that happen in, in the early church and in the book of Acts, 
it was because these guys were fully devoted. They had given up of everything. And they said, and there's not one part of my life that, Jesus, I'm not going to let you have your way in. God, when it comes to my life, like I'm pursuing what you want me to pursue, there's not an area I'm holding back for myself. I'm fully devoted to you. Jesus would talk about this, and he would communicate a little bit about this idea of, of taking this next step, being fully devoted. In the book of Luke, chapter 9, verse 23, said, Then he said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way and take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your own life, you will lose it. But if you give of your life for my sake, you will save it. It's tough in the culture that we live in right now, the idea of, of giving up control. Because most of us are control freaks. Anybody a control freak? Three people. Anybody know a control freak? Whole lot more hands in the room, huh? Yeah. How many of you are sitting next to your control freak? Don't do that. Don't raise your hand. Stop. That was a bad move. I'll get you in trouble. <clears throat> We're all control freaks. We want to have control. I'm going to tell you right now that that's, you having control is a lie. It's an illusion. You're, you're not going to be able to control everything. You're not going to be able to control the people in your life. The only thing that you can control, can control is who you're going to surrender control to. You can choose to try to hold on to yourself. It doesn't really do a whole lot. But you do have the ability to, to release it. Say, Jesus, in this area of my life, when it comes to my marriage, when it comes to my job, or my decision for, like, should I have this job or not, when it comes to how I, how I treat the people I'm with, how I treat the relationship I'm in, you're the only one that has the ability to decide who's in control. Ultimately, Jesus says in this that, that if you want to be a follower, at some point you've got to, you got to understand that means releasing control and letting him have his way. It's not an easy thing to do. I'm not, I'm not up here telling you that I'm someone who's figured it out or that it's any, any easier, to, easier for than what you're going through. It's a tough thing to do. But as I've continued to do, as I've continued to give him, I've been fully devoted and continue to fully devoting to him in all areas of my life, I see his blessing come out like I've never seen before. And that's really, that's really where things start to, start to change. Because, see, as you continue to choose to surrender and fully devote and give, other areas of your life change in miraculous ways. See, part of the reason, I, 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 don't, believe, I don't believe the reason why the church continued to grow the way it did was because, was because these guys were coming together and, and sharing chicken and dumplings with one another. It wasn't about them coming together and having a good meal with one another. and then I, I think that was part of it. I think that the, them connecting with one another was a huge part. But I also think that as they continued all as one, decide to pursue what Christ wanted first, the Holy Spirit comes down and gives them power like no one had ever seen. Where literally, not, where before they saw Jesus was the only one to do miracles, now these disciples, because of their devotion, the Holy, power of the Holy Spirit worked through them and start changing people's lives around them. And the church continued to grow. All because of individual people 
surrendering and saying, I'm going to fully devote every area of my life to Christ. Now, here's the thing. This is not something uh, that is, is easy to do. This is not something that is, uh, it's not something that is done quickly. It's not done lightly. I think it's more of a, this is more of a process. You know, when it comes to being a fully devoted follower of Christ, I don't think, I don't think it's a destination. I don't think being fully devoted is a place in which you land. You don't get to the point where you're like, I'm here. I've arrived. God use me. I think it's a, I think it's not a destination. I think it's a direction that we follow. It's constant pursuit. It's constant change. It's constant surrender in these things. As we continue to say, you know what? I, when it came to my relationship, God, it took me, took me a while, but I've, I'm fully committed to giving you, I'm fully devoted to you, and I'm giving you control of it. Now I'm going to move to my finances. There's not a point in which, like, you can, you can get it all. A lot of people think to be a fully devoted follower of Christ, you have got to be perfect. You've got to have it all together. You've got to know the Scripture inside and out. I'm going to tell you, based off the people that, that were fully devoted in the book of Acts, I think that that's a misunderstanding that you have. Because a lot of these people, they, they weren't super intelligent. They weren't super smart people. They were just people that had made a decision to surrender and say, I'm going to follow you with all in every area. It's not a destination. It's a direction. In the book of Mark, chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus has this conversation with a man that, that wants to follow him. He wants to be a, one of the disciples. He wants to, he wants to commit to, to doing life with him. He wants to see the miracles happen. He wants to see life change happen around him. He wants his country that he lives in to change. He sees what Jesus is doing. He's like, I want to follow you. So in Mark 10, verse 17, it says, As Jesus was, uh, was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. He knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, Why do you call me good teacher? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. He starts to go through the beginning of the Torah. The man stopped him. He said, teacher, he says, I've obeyed all these commands since I was even very young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. He said, there's, one still, there's still one thing you haven't done, he told him. He said, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then you can come and follow me. Now when it came to these laws, like there was no part of where it said like, well, you, you part of what you got to do is you got to sell everything you have. You got to give it all to the poor. You got to come and follow me. He, he, in his mind, he said, I've, I've kept the law. I've done the checklist. At some point, I should be at the destination of where, of, of, of being able to experience eternity. I'm here. I got to be a part of the kingdom. I want to come and follow you. Jesus said, there's one more thing that you haven't done. There's one more area that you've, you've held back. He said, sell everything that you have. Give it all to the poor. Now, this was really tough because this man was extremely wealthy. It was a tough thing to do to try to give up everything 
that he had amassed and acquired over the decades to come. So Jesus is talking to the people around him about this difficult thing that he doubts that this man will do. Even when he talks about it, he says he looked at him in love because he knew that he knew the, the pressure that was going to come with what he said next. He said there's this area of life that if you'll just surrender as well, it'll change you forever. You'll be fully, fully devoted. In the past when I've read this, I've, I've read it mostly about being about money and this battle between you know, what's God, what's number one. But but this past weeks when I was reading it, I didn't see money. I just, I saw something that was held back. I saw something that had not been devoted, that had not been freely, freely given or opened up to. I saw a guy that had tried very hard and worked very hard his whole life and was a good guy. And he, he was even hungry for, like, what's the next step? What's the? And then for him to be hit with, there's one area of your life that you've not opened up, you've not surrendered. And that's the thing that's keeping you from what's next. And I started to search for myself. God, what's that thing for me? Like, at some point, I mean, I'm a pastor of a church. If I can be, I'm a pastor of a church. At some point, people look and say, this is a guy that's made, I'm telling you, I have not made it. God's still working on me each and every day. So as I preach this message, even as I look into this passage, I think and I look and say, God, what's the thing inside of me that I've not devoted, that I've not given up, that I've not released? What's the thing that's keeping me from experiencing miracles in my life that I cannot even imagine? I want to tell you, whatever it is for you, it, I want to challenge you to release it. Because I know that if you will, the best is most definitely yet to come. You will see God show up in your life. If you will surrender that thing you're holding back. It might be how you do business in your job. It might be the way that you talk to people. It might be the engagement that you have with your, with your family. It might be the things that you look at on the, the internet. Or the way you talk about people to your girlfriends or your boyfriends. It might be it might be a show you're watching. I don't know what it is and, and I remember being in church in times when the pastor would like talk about this and thinking, oh my gosh, he knows what I'm doing. God has not showed me what you're dealing with, okay? I'm never going to come up and say, I know what you're going through. The Holy Spirit told me. I think the Holy Spirit will tell you, though. I think he'll show you. My hope is that even, like, when we pray here in the next few minutes, that he's going to show you exactly what that thing is. And I, I want to tell you that someone is continually finding these things and releasing them, that the more that I release, the more that I say, God, I'm putting it in your hands. The more miracles I see, the greater my life becomes. Not because of what I do. I literally sat in front of a pastor this week, and he talked to me. He's like, man, it looks like Coastline's doing great. Tell me tell me what the secret sauce is, Brian. Tell me what you're doing. I told him, I said, well, I just keep showing up, and I keep having faith that God's going to show up. 
and I make plans, but I do whatever he tells me to do, which half the time aren't my plans. And as I continue to keep relying on him and releasing all this stuff to him, he keeps showing up. I think about how we talk about the early church. And I think about Olivia and Ben when they grow up and they're they're the church. And my hope is that that they'll look back on our time together as a church and say, man, like the way they did it was right. The way Coastline did it was right. The way that we saw God show up and and the way he opened up doors for families, the way that he we saw the the the, the wards get even a better job than what he had before. When we saw you know, the, 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 the people that were dealing with, with cancer be set free of it. And, and, and all the while, it wasn't because they had the secret sauce. It's just because they continued to live deeply and be fully devoted. The back end of the story, a lot of people read the story about the man. And he just walks away, and that's, that's the end of it. But I love what happens next. Because Peter, gosh, Peter, I wish I, I, one day I'm going to be buddies with Peter. I'm going to tell you right now. We're going to go fishing together. Although we probably won't catch a lot, whole lot because I don't hear him, of him catching anything before. I don't catch a whole lot, but it's going to be a good time. Peter goes and he asks Jesus. He says after Jesus talks to him and says, hey, hey, this guy, this guy's not going to have it because he cannot release it all. He can't give up at all. He's holding on to that one thing. Peter says, he says, wait. Mark 10, verse 28, he says, then Peter began to speak up. He said, we've given up everything to follow you, he said. It's almost like Peter's like, he sees this rich guy, and there was a day in his time where he's like, he would have been like, I wish I was that guy. I wish I had what that guy had. Peter, he didn't have money. He didn't have anything because he had gone. He had seen Jesus move in a miraculous way. And he said, you know what? When it comes to my boat, when it comes to my job, when it comes to my family and everything that I had in my legacy as a fisherman, I'm leaving it at the shore and I'm following you 100%. He gave up it all. It's like Peter has this moment. He's like, wait, wait wait a minute. But, But I gave up everything. I've given it all. And Jesus responds to this. He says, yes. Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mothers or fathers or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property along with their persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. I want to let you know that as you surrender, whatever it is that you're holding back, and I I challenge you to do it, there's a promise that comes with it. That promise is, is what you had ain't nothing compared to what God has in store. That's what you need to live with here, Coastline. That's what you need to leave today is what you have, that thing that you're holding on to, the thing that you're protecting, you're holding for just yourself. God's got something better if you'll just surrender it and let it go. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, this is between you and him.
I want to pray, and then I'm going to ask you a question. Holy Spirit, I pray that in this moment that you would have your way in our hearts, that you would show us the thing that we've held back, show us the things that we've held back, give us the courage to release and surrender to you. God, I pray that, that whatever the enemy has in us that has caused us to think that this is something we've got to protect ourselves with, we've got to hold on to ourselves, or this is something that's going to help us in the future, God, I pray that, that your Holy Spirit would just give us the peace to understand that through you and in you is our future. I pray that we would continue our faith and trust in you. So if you're in this room this morning, I've prayed that the Holy Spirit would show you whatever the thing is that you're holding back. You might see it right now. You might have known it from the moment we were talking about it. In this moment, I'm not going to ask you to stand or come to the front, but just as a sign of surrender, if you will release that to him, where you're sitting right now, I just want you to put your palms on your lap. And as you release it and give it to him, I want you to open up your palms so they face the sky. You're relinquishing control. You're letting go of it. You're surrendering it. All across this room. God, you know what these things are, what they stand for. God, I know you have plans for us. And so I pray that as we surrender these things, as we choose to be fully devoted, not holding anything back. God, I pray that you would help us heal in this moment. That you would give us plans and ideas for what's next as we pursue you first. I thank you for the miracles that we're going to see in our jobs and our relationships with our spouses when it comes to our kids and when it comes to our health and understanding of even ourselves. We give it all to you. We thank you so much for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. As always, Coastline, know that you are loved and that the best is yet to come.